Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Football fans, welcome to Morning Footy. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. I'm Susanna Collins alongside Nico Cantor. Charlie Davies is back. We missed you, buddy. Alexis Guerreros. We got Lisa Carlin in for some headlines. Hi, Chuck. Hello. Welcome back. Welcome. Thank you for having me. How was how was the kicking it shoots? Um, they were awesome as always. Yeah. We had we had some some good guests. Mm. Oh, are you just gonna leave it at that? Yeah, I'm gonna leave it at that. Dang. I want the people to be surprised. You can't even drop, can't drop our friends a little hint. I know. A little something, something. Maybe someone, the next one is someone who just won a trophy. Ooh. Oh. A trophy. Okay. Or a, a few trophies. My interest wow. is peaked. In one night. <laughs> okay. Amazing, yeah. Ooh, amazing. One night. Mm-hmm. Okay, should we talk some U.S. Men's National Team? Yeah. Charlie, you weren't here last week for our reaction to leg one. So no, I'm, saw, ex- I'm, I'm curious. Nico's I know reaction. Nico went off. Nico <laughs> was feeling some things. Um, but we've got the second leg of the Nations League quarterfinal between the U.S. and Trinidad and Tobago. That is tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern on TNT. Okay, so leg one, Charlie. We know how Nico yeah. felt about the U.S.'s mm-hmm. performance. But how did you feel? What was your takeaway? So first I will say, Playing against a team that has no interest whatsoever in attacking is difficult, no matter how much better you are than they are. When they, there, there was no willingness from them to attack. Okay, so I want to put that in into context before I go in. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, okay, now they, 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 they I've been there. No, it was yeah, a five-four-one. I, I, I scored my first international goal against Trinidad in Trinidad. Okay, I played a World Cup qualifier in Trinidad where we only won 1-0. We were the better side, but they make it difficult. In this game, they just said, we're going to play for 0-0. If we have to pack your box with 11 players to defend, we'll do it. My issue when watching this game was the lack of intensity and the lack of creativity. Because it comes to a point after 10 minutes in, 15 minutes in, you see, okay, this is how they're playing. They're going to try and just clog the middle. So how do we improvise? And so for the first half, the the emphasis has to be on the players to come out wide, to to find those 2v1s, whipping in crosses, trying to play combinations, force them to try and follow you in the box, but a lot of shots, and put your shots on target. That was from the players in the first half, and and I think it lacked the intensity needed to score that opening goal, goal early. And now in the second half, halftime, I would have liked to see some adjustments to say, you know what, they're going to play at that. We're going to play with two strikers and I'm going to play with Pepe and Balogun. And that should have been the message to the group that we're going to highly attack because worst case scenario, they're breaking with one player, one player. They were and, never we'll, score. We'll, and we'll go with 2v1 all day. Cam Carter Vickers, if you don't win that, you foul and end the play. And so the, the tactical adjustments 
didn't happen early enough and I was a little bit disappointed mm -hmm. because it was stale for so long. And then the, the goals came in the 82nd minute, we got the first goal and I, I was happy to see that they won 3-0. But we want more from this group. We're not gonna settle for a 3-0 win at Trinidad and I know it's not easy. I know just defending, it, it, they make it difficult. But it's gotta be better from this group. It's gotta be better from the coaches uh, to make those adjustments at halftime. But ultimately, they got the job done and, and that's how we always look at, okay, we got the job done. Now in this second game, do you have to go out and win 10-0? Do you have to win 14-0 like France did against Gibraltar? No, but we better see something more than we did from in this first game. And I know you're playing on the road, but show us a little bit more. Um, and that's kind of my take was you, you, you won 3-0, but okay. so you weren't nothing inspiring. Far off from what I was saying. No. I just, I, I felt like people were. I felt like you were angrier, Nico, about it. There was a little bit more fire it's in your belly. It's because I saw a rival that was so below anything we're used to seeing. Trinidad and Tobago weren't, you would see them on the team sheet and they, they weren't bad and with all due respect, and, and I, I don't want to disrespect them, but they didn't look, there were moments that they didn't look like a professional football team. They were, there were some players that, were, that didn't look fit, that I couldn't believe mm -hmm. that there, were, there, there weren't other players on a whole roster of mm -hmm. Trinidad and Tobago soccer players that were more fit than the ones that, that and, and they, and they did against the U.S. They were committed to their tactics. This is a World Cup for them. They're committed to defending. They're committed to working hard. They're going to foul you. But that's what you have to expect when you play Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah. But this, so this I was next disappointed leg, with that. I'm expecting them to be a little bit, little bit wider, a little bit more space in between the lines. They're going to have to attack being down 3-0, no? They can't do the same thing. What's a 0-0 going to get them? <laughs> you never know. You never know. You, they could try and keep it close to, for 67 minutes of the game and then try and open up. You can't predict what a, a team like Trinidad and Tobago, who had showed no attacking quality whatsoever, what they'll do at home. Uh, well, the injury bug uh, has bitten the U.S. men's national team once again to Weston McKenney, uh, the latest victim. He has left camp. He re-aggravated a knee injury. Uh, so he will not be a part of this second leg. So for Charlie, when you think about uh, replacing him, and what that might look like in terms of Greg Berhalter's projected 11. Where are you going with this? Maybe Leonard. Leonard. <laughs> I knew you were going to say it. He, he plays in the Bundesliga. Yeah. There's no better place to insert him now to get him a taste of CONCACAF, get him, mm -hmm. get him a taste of what this team looks like, how you build out of the back, how do you play against a team that's inferior to you. There's, there's no risk. This, this is only a reward for mm -hmm. Leonard Maloney to come in and see what he can do. So if, if you're playing in a, in a situation where there isn't really any ramifications for, for the U.S., there's, there's no real problem here, no threats, run him out and see what he can do. There's Leonard. He's, 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 a, he's more of a defensive-minded <laughs> midfielder, so in, in, in that way, you can attack with more players in the midfield and have him sit with the, with the two center backs, and you have your outside backs flying forward, and you, and you literally lock down the central part of the field with three players, and that's all you need against this Trinidad and Tobago side. What did you think of uh, Kevin Paredes' debut? I loved his energy. Mm -hmm, me too. He, he's, you know, he played like Creativity. a young kid. He played like a young kid mm -hmm. who was hungry to make an impact. 
to, to show that he should be at that level, but he's not ready yet. He's not ready to be. What in particular a makes starter. you say that? What, what, what in particular made you say there's still something left yeah, that either it, you need to see or that you think he needs to develop? Because when you watch a young player come into the U.S. Men's National Team and they play with all that excitement, and so they're so almost Raw. a little bit frantic. Puppy. It, it lacks. Puppy energy. It, yeah. They lack see, the, I said something they, positive about dogs. I'm going to get reacted. They lack the composure. <laughs> in those, those moments where you're in the attacking third, where you're about to get a shot, you're about to create a pass, because they're trying too much, they're trying too many things. Mm -hmm. And so when I say he's not ready yet, it's because he has to get over that phase. When he does get over that phase, I think he will be a, an impactful player with this group because he has some of those raw tools that other players don't have, the change of pace, the quickness, the, the engine. But again, in, in a game like this, if he's not out wide, He's not set up to succeed to, for success because he's not a player who plays in between the lines and, and can break down two or three players playing in tight spaces. He needs space. Get him out wide. Run him. But if you have Anthony Robinson and Kevin Paredes doing the same exact thing or taking away from one another because they won't, both want to attack the same space, then you're not as impactful. I will say, though, I loved how he was going after the defenders 1v1 especially moments where we look so stale, he was the one that I felt was giving me that little bit extra, mm -hmm. trying to sort of gut it out, trying to find a way behind the lines. But you see a difference when, if you want to compare like for like in that position, a Christian Pulisic mm. and a Kevin Paredes. Right. Sure. On the right. ball, that composure, right. get, taking what the game dictates, not forcing things. And I think that's where we saw Kevin Paredes doing a little too much. But I, I like that energy. I like where he's starting from mm -hmm. because I went through the same thing. The first couple of games with the U.S. Men's National Team, I'd say the first five, six, I was rushing. I was trying to do too much. I was trying to impress. Not only impress the coaches, I was trying to impress the team. And it takes away from ultimately what you can do for the team. How do you get out of that pattern? You know, how do you kind of pare it down? It's just like us on TV. <laughs> reps. Yeah. You need reps. Yeah. But it's is that is that a rare. conversation with the manager? Yeah, it's a conversation with the manager. It's a conversation with players. Mm -hmm. what, what? How can I help you, right? And and that's one of the things that stood out to me about Brendan Aronson when he came into the team with the Philadelphia Union. First thing he came up to me is, where do you like the ball? How do you like to receive the pass? Wow, it's really impressive. Wow. So as a youngster, Kevin Pray, the same thing, coming into a, to, a, to the national team. Hey, Eunice Musa, Wes McKinney, where do you like to be? This... Th Tell me where you need me to be, right? Oh, Balligan, where do you like to get the ball? Where do you like to receive it? How, do you, how often do you like to check? What, what spots do you favor so I know where, where to move? Those are the type of questions that you ask as a young player, and it takes time. It's repetition, and I think he will get there given just how positive he is with this play and some of those different dynamics that he adds in that attacking third with this quickness and change of pace. But um, it's, it's all about repetitions, and, mm. and I'm not worried about him, and it was good to see him out there. Uh, well, you mentioned Yunus Musa and a player with composure. It's, it's, sometimes I forget that he's still not even 21 yet. Um, but it's crazy Wild. because with uh, today he could break the record for the most caps before his 21st birthday. He's on 32 right now, which is tied with Christian Pulisic, Josie Altidore, and Landon Donovan. If he plays tonight, that's going to be 33 before, 33 caps before the age of, of 21. And it's crazy because it, it feels like he has been kind of just a, a stalwart uh, player for, for this team for a long time. But he's, um, 
I, he's just been, been so reliable. When you think about a player like him, Charlie, and you think about his ceiling with the U.S. men's Oof. national team and what he can become for the country, what does that look like for you? He could be the player that has the longest career at the highest level for the U.S. men's national team. Really? Look at what he's been able to do so far, breaking into a Milan side that was a Champions League semifinalist, uh, a, a player that, and, and the, that midfield is loaded when everyone's healthy, mm -hmm. and he's going to play because he's that good. I, what I love about Yunus Musa is his ability to adjust to whatever the game needs because he's so good on the ball. So if you just want to keep the ball and swing it side to side, he can defend, which he's shown in the World Cup, playing in a more defensive role as a midfielder, a more defensive eight. But he's versatile. He's got great ability and awareness in and on the ball. He can dr drive by people on the ball. Um, his passing has improved, uh, I'd say, quite a bit in the past year. But where we still need to see him improve, of course, is that final third. Mm -hmm. If he can start scoring goals or being more of a facilitator in the, in the attacking third, that's what's going to elevate him to playing at a Real Madrid, playing at a Barcelona, which I think he can, he can do in the, in the future. So uh, I've always been super high on him because he is just one of those players that you love to watch because he, he makes it look so easy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he does. And also there's two words that come to mind when I think of um, Eunice Musa is, is stoic and composure. You know, you don't really see him get flustered very often. And also, even when things are, maybe the offense has sort of collapsed and maybe he's getting pressed, he does, he does everything he does with a little bit of grace, that little bit of extra grace that just makes you feel like, oh, okay, we could just pass the ball to him and we'll be okay. We'll be able to get out of this situation. And that, for a guy who's so young, every time I'm reminded of his age, I'm like, oh, yeah. Because yeah. he plays. <laughs> like, he's much I, yeah. older. He's got a European foot. Yeah. That's why it was crazy when I saw that was stat that from about surgery him. Or? He's, he's got a different, you can, tell, you can tell that he's got a different education. He, he, he grew up differently around people that live, breathe football and that his technique can take him to different level. That's a in hell this in product. In That's this a hell in product. You say that, but then I'd say, I, I would argue and say Darlington Nagby has almost the same qualities as him and he has an American I'm, I'm background. Not, American not, not, not saying that I'm Americans saying. don't have that, but you can don't tell that- Don't throw that out you, there. Yunus like, Musa is different. <laughs> he, he, he is different. I grew up in, a, in, a, in America as well. Oh, yeah. I have a you don't say. You <laughs> I have a friend who has a dead foot. Wow. <laughs> 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 Trinidad and Tobago taking on the United States tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern on TNT. And don't forget, we've got a footy freebie for you right here on the Galazzo Network. Panama taking on Costa Rica in another CONCACAF Nations League quarterfinal matchup tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. Lisa Carlin's going to be back with some headlines when we return. Don't go anywhere. footy. Um, well, check this out. Zlatan Ibrahimovic in Las Vegas hanging out with some Formula One drivers. I believe this is a Ferrari team. Oh, it's team Look, Okay, so I've, I've done some work in race car driving before. These men are so small. Like, it's like, like drivers are very compact people because they have to fit <laughs> in the cars. Very and efficiently sized. Zlatan <laughs> is a literal giant. Like, if you've ever Zlatan seen him. Zlatan is the race car. <laughs> he is. He's he actually like owns the size a fleet of, of Ferraris. He has, I think, I think it's about two, two and a half million dollars worth of Ferraris. Yeah, he gets like 
the the prized ones that come out. Yeah. Limited limited releases for He's Ferrari. a Ferrari guy. Wow. How does he, he fit was, in them? He is so large. Uh, every he Ferrari is, is customized to you. Did you know oh, that? Oh, I did not know I, that. I only found Why that would out I know that? When I was Googling it because I am nowhere near Ferrari money. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, they will literally they literally put the seat in place of where you sit because it's a race car, essentially. It's a driver's car. That's wild. And that's he, he is one large human being. He's massive. You know who else drives fast? Mm. Lisa Carlin. Vroom, vroom. Who hightailed it all the way to Stanford from Philadelphia this morning, bright and early. Well, I wanted to just be with to you give all. us headlines. I wanted to be with you all, and that's oh, I, I'm we're impressed. We're so grateful. that you can um, hit some top speeds. I, I'd you like know, to see you in a it, race car. It's, it's fun. It's fun. I enjoyed it. I do. I do like that adrenaline hit. I'm not gonna lie. Well, these headlines, they'll, they'll give you a little bit of adrenaline. <laughs> Let's go. Let's get into them because we start in Saudi Arabia, where Argentinian manager Marcelo Gallardo has been officially appointed as the new manager of Al Ittihad. Gallardo replaces Portuguese coach Nuno Espirito Santo, who was fired last week after the team's tough run of results and a reported tension with French striker Karim Benzema. This is Gallardo's first coaching job since he stepped down from Argentina's River Plate, where he led them to two Copa Libertadores titles. Stateside, the U.S. men's national team midfielder Weston McKinney was forced to leave camp with an aggravated knee injury. McKinney will miss tonight's second leg of the CONCACAF Nations League quarterfinal in Trinidad. Currently, there has been no replacement called in for McKinney. The U.S. posted a 3-0 first leg victory, and if they hold their lead, the U.S. can clinch a place in the Nations League semis. We will preview this second leg later on in the show. Don't go anywhere. Chuck is itching to talk about it. <laughs> in other CONCACAF Nation League's news, Mexican national team goalkeeper Guillermo Ochoa will miss El Tri's quarterfinal second leg against Honduras on Tuesday with a so- shoulder injury that he suffered in Thursday's first leg loss. Honduras won 2-0 over Mexico, and they can pull a huge quarterfinal upset if Honduras can maintain that lead in tonight's second leg at Estadio Azteca. Moving over to South America, there's more injury news out of Brazil. Real Madrid forward Vinicius Jr. has suffered a torn hamstring that will keep him out for up to 10 weeks. Vinny Jr. suffered this injury during Brazil's World Cup qualifying loss to Colombia on Thursday, and he will now miss Brazil's much-anticipated qualifier against Argentina on Tuesday night in Rio. This morning, we have some breaking news out of Spain, where Barcelona's 19-year-old midfielder Gavi has been diagnosed with a torn ACL. Barcelona confirmed the extent of Gavi's injury this morning after he went down during Spain's Euro qualifying win against Georgia on Sunday. Gavi is facing seven to nine months of rehab, meaning that he will miss the rest of Barcelona's season. Plus, the injury could force him to miss Euro 2024 next summer. This is incredibly devastating injury news out of La Liga's biggest team, Nico, with Gavi missing this season. Meanwhile, Real Madrid's injury list continuously growing. How does Real Madrid stay in contention with all of these injuries? Yeah, so for Real Madrid, it's going to be difficult because obviously you don't really know the extent of Bellingham's injury. You know that he'll probably be back sooner than later. He's been on the bench, sometimes not making the team sheet or whatnot. Um, but they don't have that much depth after you lose Vini, Rodrigo, Jude Bellingham. That's your triangle that's been giving you so much offensive threat. Uh, so it'll be up to Joselu up top. They, they figured it out for the most part without 
Courtois, and now, and now Kepa's been injured, right? But Militao and, and Chouameni add to the mix the Camavinga injury over the international break. It's going to be very difficult for, for Real Madrid. Um, meanwhile, for Barcelona, you, you miss Gavi, but you're expecting Pedri and Frankie de Jong to be back. So mm-hmm. I don't know if everybody being healthy, if Gavi would be an undisputed starter on this team. I think you would probably go for... I don't think he a, would be. ...Agundo and Frankie de Jong um, midfield So and Pedri. So... Um, I'm not too sure. It's a shame to see Gavi go down, especially with such a prolonged injury because he's definitely, hopefully he comes back and he doesn't skip a beat because he has all the potential to be absolutely world-class. Yeah, it's tough. But this is the time where your depth uh, gets tested. Right around this time, you've got an international break. You've got a lot of games coming up. At least Spain takes a break. England plays through the winter, essentially, with all their Boxing Day matches. This is the time where your depth gets tested. And Barcelona, with that sort of financial... I don't know if it's a f- what financial issues. They seem to be pulling levers left and right and they find a way to make it work. But with the financial troubles they recently had, it stops them from being able to make those adjustments moving forward, where you know you're going to miss a player for seven to nine months you can go and get somebody in the January transfer window. Right. Are they even able to at this point? They haven't. They have. By, by the way, they haven't. Their spending over the summer wasn't that significant. No, they got a lot of players on freeze mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So that's how they met. They they actually managed the transfer window considering all their financial difficulties. You love the pulling the levers. Oh my god! <laughs> but that's <laughs> they're the, selling their digital future for twenty five years. Yeah. No one knows what it is. But it does feel like they're going into the January transfer window with an, uh, one arm tied behind their back. They've been able to make it work up yeah. before. They, they, they need they need yeah, the young. The other one. They, they need <laughs> the young. They need uh, um, the young and the. Uh, Pedri to be back. Pedri is so have, he played Pedri's so incredible. much football last season, and we just hopefully can see him again playing consistently for Barcelona because he is a difference maker for them. Indeed. All right, uh, we're going to take another break. We are going to be chatting uh, some of the other Concacaf Nations League quarterfinal matches when we return. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be right back. After a downpour last evening, postpone the match. We get kick-started in CONCACAF Nations League quarterfinal action between Jamaica and Canada. Laria, selective, cuts it back. Eustachio! Canada back out in front, 2-1. And for the first time since 1988, Canada has won on Jamaican soil. And away we go. It is Costa Rica and it is Panama. Mario strides on Mario! What a way to start this one tonight! Welcome back. CONCACAF Nations League quarterfinal action continues to roll on. Here's a look at today's fixtures in Group B. We've got Montserrat taking on Barbados, Aruba versus Cayman Islands, Dominica taking on Turks and Caicos. You can watch all those matches on Paramount Plus. And then we've got that Trinidad and Tobago versus the United States tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern on TNT. And right here on the Galazzo Network, Panama facing Costa Rica at 9 p.m. Eastern. All right. Um, Let's chat a little Jamaica, Canada. Torrential rain wreaked havoc on that match on Friday night. Good Lord. (laughs) That was insane. I mean, look at this. This is insanity. 
So this was Friday night. The game ended up getting postponed until Saturday morning. And on the show on Friday, Charlie, I know you weren't here, but we were we were chatting about kind of the state of of Canada soccer. <laughs> this is wild. I saw fish. Right? Look at yeah. all the fish right it's there. It's a lake. Yeah. There's a guy in a dinghy. It's literally a lake. Unbelievable. I don't even know how they were able to play on Saturday morning. Uh, but Canada, we were concerned. I mean, we've been concerned about just the state of affairs with the, the Federation, with the team. And they get this massive result against Jamaica away from home. How, how surprised were you at this result? I'm more surprised at the quality of this match. Yep. It, it was not uh, up to par. I, I, Yes, Canada got the job done because they won on the road, but it was it was far from convincing. And Jonathan David, who has kind of been Canada's go-to guy with along with Kyle Aaron, but Jonathan David was the, the one kind of responsible for scoring goals, for being creative. Um, he's really struggled this year in, in club football with, with Leo. And, and, you know, maybe it could be made up uh, because of, of not getting a move. And you can continue to score goals in Liga and nothing's materialized. And that can weigh on you as a striker because you, you, you feel like you're stuck in the middle. You, you don't know what's next. And Kyle Lahren did a fantastic job of creating that goal for Jonathan David. But I, I, I look at this Canada side and I said, what, what happened to the team that we saw in World Cup qualifying? Because it's not good enough. And Jamaica, for all the talent that they have, they haven't taken a step forward. No. In they fact, really haven't. Once Mikel Antonio came out with, I'm, I'm not sure if it was an injury. He definitely grabbed the back of his leg, came out in the 21st minute. I forget who his backup was, the, the guy who Shamar came in Shamar Nicholson. For him. No, uh, Trevante Stewart came in for him. It was just, I mean, from that point, you're like, wow. They were completely zapped of, of a majority of their talent. Once that came in, Canada kind of bossed the game a little bit from then. It still didn't look great, but... Once Mikel Antonio comes out, and you just realize how top-heavy Jamaica is, there is there is a real gap in in the quality of like your front three when you have Mikel Antonio, Leon Bailey, and Demar Gray, and pretty much everyone until you get to Andre Blake, it is pretty rough. It it, it was it was tough to watch, and I, I get that the rescheduling and it's you know a different time, it's early, but man, if you're Canada. You, you need to give some hope back to, to the squad. And I know there's a lot going on in the Federation. Richie Larea here on, on that pass, he was good when he came in creating. And he's always been a difference maker for Canada down the right flank. He can be very, very uh, tough to deal with. Mm -hmm. And Steven Eustachio there with, with a good goal. He's and been he's getting been, quality minutes with Porto. He's been decent for Porto. He has been. He's, he's a great, great talent. Um, but at, at the end of the day, I feel like when you're under so much turmoil with the Federation, there's so much noise around you. You're going on the road with the conditions that you, with the things that can happen in CONCACAF when you get rained out one day and it's a beautiful day the next and you have to play soccer, that, that turnaround. There are conditions that are adverse and they ended up getting the win, which I feel like the, the how didn't matter as long as they got the win. And if Canada makes the final four, that is like you're the first big step to, to getting back to where Canada so was. So are you lowering the it's, standards for it, Canada now? It, Oh, considering everything that happened, but, happening, oh, absolutely. We you know might have artificially raised the standards based on their qualifying. So I think this is starting to settle the standards. Like, don't, how difficult is it when there's so much noise happening in the background where your manager has left, where players, certain players in the federation from, from the women's side, what were they arguing that they, that 
they weren't getting bonuses, mm -hmm. that the financials are absolutely in ruins. They couldn't get the sponsorship for, for their kids. Like, how does that affect the players on the field when it's such a deep institutional crisis? Yeah, it, it affects the players because you're thinking about why is this happening when we're playing so well. We've, we've, we feel like we've turned the tide in terms of getting people to support Canada, getting sponsorships to want to invest in, in the team, but... And you lose your manager that was the architect of the whole rebuild yes. of, of the golden generation. I, I still think they need to get a, a, a proper manager. Right. They need to go and get... Uh -huh. If they want to achieve things with this group, they have to go out and get a manager. Because what they have right now is not good enough. No, Mauro Biello no. used to coach CF Montreal for yes. two years. Yeah. Uh, look, and maybe that's because they're my adopted country now, because I'm beloved in Canada. <laughs> we know how, my, how I feel about my, my people up north, the oh, north. Uh, but this is, this is a top ten economy in the world. This is not a small country. This is not some island off the coast that we've never heard about. They, 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 a higher standard needs to be achieved. They've got what I would consider right now a golden era. You've got uh, Davies. We've talked about Estacchio. You've got two incredible forwards one of which was born in Brooklyn. I would love if he would have played for the U.S. in Jonathan David. You've got the pieces to build around. Tage Buchanan we talked about uh, last week. You've got some incredible pieces. Now's the time to bring in a manager, like you said, with the ilk that can carry this team yes. forward to the next level beyond what even the John Herdman could inspire you to do. Mm. You know, you, you, the next World Cup cycle, they're going to be hosting. You want them to play a little bit no, better. In this World Cup cycle. Yeah, in this World, this World is, Cup they, cycle. They need to improve. Now there's not yes. that much wiggle room anymore. So this next hire you, you is important. You can't you can't they need go to get to the hire right. You but can't how can you hire somebody? Exactly. And you can't go to the 2026 World Cup and fail like mm -hmm. you did at Qatar because they failed because right. I don't care where Canada was before it was a long time before they made it to, made it to the World Cup. If you finish 31st of 32 teams, it's a failure. And just straight up. That's the headline. Canada was one of the worst teams at the World Cup after they were hyped and they but it was are their, too good they to finish made a World that Cup bad. In Thirty some years. That's right. not an excuse. They were too good and to finish were, that bad. And they were in the first forty-five against Belgium. They balled out. There were there's there's things you can pull and they say. They should yeah. have yes. beat, but they didn't. And that's that. We should have beaten Belgium. And, and then talking trash to Croatia. Yeah, yeah that that's was. What, you crossed the line. We all knew it right away. <laughs> Don't. We're like, what are you doing? At the end of the day, you said what? Yeah, we're gonna do what to buy him a drink first. No, but at the end of the day, this was this was a much needed result. It was. Not pretty, right. but this was now a, see it out in Canada. Exactly, now see it out exactly. in Canada. We're you get halfway a big there. Win on the road um, in the quarterfinals, and you set yourself up well. Mm -hmm. So, who knows? It's and let's a, see it's some a, people in the stands. Big dub. big dub for for Canada. Okay, uh, let's chat. <laughs> let's chat Honduras, Ooh. Mexico. Oh yes, Nico. Yeah. So Talk about institutional crisis. How far I, in the mud is Mexico right now? Like, would you say neck deep, chest deep? This is weird, though, because I feel like we were talking about the turnaround for, for Mexico. Because we they were, were talking things about were, the turnaround things were for so Mexico. When were we doing that? Was that when they could only better, draw against Uzbekistan? A 2-0 loss to Honduras, uh, where they just look listless in great term, by attack. the way. Listless. Very. We got the source of the day count. Very unexpected <laughs> from day? Mexico, because Honduras in this new process under Reinaldo Rueda, a manager that has coached Honduras before, that has coached at World Cups before, someone who knows how to start a process and get the right pieces to fall into place, hadn't been doing that up until now. And Honduras showed so much fight. And Choco Lozano, who has not been good with Honduras, who has not put up the numbers that you expect out of your nine, scored. And then 
It's a beautiful pass from Things Luis Palma. started falling in place. Luis Palma is balding with Celtic. He's getting the pass. very deserved recognition that he is playing at a top level for a Honduran international. And Davy Flores is, has been very good for Honduras. Davey, and Davey Albert, Flores, Albert Elise coming off the bench. Davy Flores, for example, has been a, a, a player that was very revered in, in the Honduran sphere and then through the next couple of processes has wasn't even considered, okay, let's give you the tools to succeed around this national team because he has so much quality. And Reinaldo Rueda, I think this was his coming out party, showing the Honduran people, it's like, hey, we have enough players in this national team to be able to become, to take the right steps to become a powerhouse within CONCACAF again. And mind you, the World Cup coming up, you've got Mexico, the US and Canada all booking direct on automatic tickets to the World Cup. There is this prime opportunity here for CONCACAF to strengthen itself again. And hopefully through Reynaldo Rueda, Honduras sees this opportunity to say, hey, let's go back to where we were before because there were so many questions around this national team. Again, just like Canada, Honduras is halfway there. They have to go to the Azteca and get a result that bodes well for them in order to make the, the next step. Okay, Honduras did well. Can we talk about Mexico for one Ooh, second? Yeah. Because what the hell is going on? <laughs> Santi Jimenez, yeah. your striker who is bawling out in Europe, he had more or as many clearances as he had touches in the opponent's box. What is happening when your guy up front is helping you defend and not doing anything against a team like Honduras who played relatively pragmatically? They struck when they had the opportunity, but they were, they were there to, to be safe, to low block, to protect their lead. What is going on with Mexico? It's very strange, this world. Mind you, I, I bet against Honduras, and I shouldn't have bet you against Honduras. You bet against I bet Honduras? against Honduras because they oh, weren't convincing. What did your mother say? You Where's seen, your mother from? You, Honduras. Oh, okay, you cool. should have seen <laughs> the narrative around, this, around yeah, yeah, Honduras. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was almost hopeless. And the fact that they got this result is so surprising. And for Mexico, on the other hand, it feels like this was a massive misstep. When things were going, when, when they were getting things pretty right, they were playing well collectively. And, and maybe Jimmy Lozano, when he's playing for actual points this time, is the first time that they're playing for very important points after Gold Cup. He got it wrong. They have an opportunity to get it right. Mind you, I feel like it would be, for CONCACAF, it would be horrendous if they don't make Scale of Final 1 to 10. Four. It, this would be more of a failure for CONCACAF than it would be for Mexico. If they Ticket make sales would also be struggling. Yeah. Charlie, you, Mexico is your biggest rival when you play for the U.S. Mexico not making it into the CONCACAF Nations League. Scale of 1 to 10, how bad is that? 10 being the worst? Yeah. 10. It's got to be, right? It's, it's 10. So, mind you, as a... As a... Top four in CONCACAF, Mexico not being... Not being... It's, it's, it's unimaginable. And they have to it's make Copa America. After that, they have to make Copa America. So the, the playoffs, so remember, you have redemption after this. So you mm. lose these series as, as a top 18 in CONCACAF. You play against the other losers in order to book that ticket to Copa America. CONCACAF does this, obviously, so that the U.S. and Mexico wouldn't be left without a ticket to the Copa America. The, that playoff, as of now, reportedly is in the FC Dallas Stadium. And all the, the Nations League Final Four is, is going to be in Dallas. Wow. So Mexico imagine having team. Mexico playing in, in Dallas and not at Cowboys Stadium. That would, that, that, that's why it would now, be how, such a yes. massive loss for how, how confident are you that Honduras can get a result in Azteca? So Honduras has got one 
result historically in Azteca uh, with some of their best, historically their best teams. You don't need to win. You can lose up to 1-0. Even an away goal would work wonders because away goal, like if you get that one away goal, they're, I think they're going to be similarly to the first leg. Yeah, counter. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Let them have possession. I, 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 I don't know. They couldn't be you the first time. Ho hopefully, hopefully they can ride this wave of momentum and of hope because I don't think there was ever as much hope with the Honduran national team as there was post Friday. The vibe in that stadium looked amazing. Yeah. Does your mom get excited about the Honduran national yeah, the, team? Yeah. You should have seen my family group chat. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy, and they all live in Tegucigalpa, so. Aww. Yeah. It was. Uh, they were super excited. It cool was a, moments. A, a big win that that breathes an air of optimism for for Honduras. So and yet her own son bet against. Wow. Even when the odds. I shouldn't have done that. Shameful. I shouldn't have done that. Incredible. Yeah. Shameful. Shameful. Shame. She gave birth to you, yeah. dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I messed up. I messed wow. Up. Oh, man. Really throwing you under wow, the bus here. Wow, dude. Yeah. Uh, we were going to do Push, a push. She almost said, no, he's going to vote. He's going to bet on Mexico. Taking a break, guys. We're chatting Euro qualifiers on the other side. Stick around. <laughs> 